Ringo Lamb returns to Hong Kong after his Hollywood adventure in multi-nominated Cops and Robbers style. Cops versus Robbers, Lao Ching Wan versus Francis M. The stage is set for full alert. My name is Kenny B with Miss Tom KW and this is the Director Series 25 on Ringo Lamb's Full Alert. And welcome back, listeners, to the episode on Ringo Lambs. Full alert, we've reached that part of the filmography. We've jumped a little bit back and forth, but I thought this was a suitable point to stop at and uh, do as in-depth of discussion as we can do, because I think Full Alert ranks as something, uh, well, both for me, good, but also um, critical and important. Um, It's uh, one of those junctures, if you will. Hollywood was a big thing. Now it's back in Hong Kong, and... Uh, how does it fare? Well, we'll look back on it, both of us. But uh, you said originally you wanted to do the show on looking for Miss Perfect, though, didn't you? As as Maine, but you changed you changed your mind last minute. Just to let you said that to me, definitely you were like, let's do looking for Mr. Perfect. That's my jam. You said that, and uh, and then you changed it. So I just want I just want to let the listeners know what they're getting into. You bastard. Just a bit of honesty, Ken. Just be honest with yourself and the audience. A bit of a fairy tale on your behalf. <laughs> I do love them, yeah. I do love making them up. They're great. Uh, whatever gets you through that particular movie. Lies, lies, <laughs> So uh, anyway, this is the Director Series on the Podcast on Fire Network. We have a back catalogue of episodes on directors like Ringo Lam, but uh, we've covered David Chang's filmography, Nam Nai Choi's filmography, and Kirk Wong's. Uh, so that is the intent of the Director Series, to break down... Each and every movie, or as many movies as we can find, track a through line and uh, discuss development or you know, or lack of development, depending on the opinion you have, and uh, then reach the end as it stands. Now, Ringo is still a working director, so after this series concludes, there's going to be more movies, but uh, we're going to conclude it uh, at uh, the last stop um, there is currently, which is uh, Sky on Fire, I believe, yeah. For a while, while we were planning this, there because we were doing this for a while it was why it was while it was wild city and then sky on fire all, all of a sudden came out so well, we need to get our shit together i'm taking too long or i'm taking too long clearly but uh we're gonna get to that eventually but not this episode we have plenty of other shows on hong kong cinema new and old there uh, we talk about korean cinema japanese cinema and we have bonus episodes on, on a variety of subjects as well uh, so make your choice over there uh, we have a a sidebar with uh, colorful buttons leading to what hopefully will be your favorite show and if you have listened to us or if you're listening for the listening for the first time thank you very very much for your support and i hope you like it and if you feel like communicating that uh, if you liked it or even disliked it hit us up email podcast on fire at googlemail.com and join us over on facebook to do the same as well as follow uh, show updates and uh, current discussions and all of that if you click the facebook button on our site that will get you to our page but if you want to engage in said discussion the main place to do so is in our discussion group called podcast on fire network and the twitter button leads to our tweets the itunes button leads to our itunes feed and uh, if you want to leave any feedback over there you can do so via a star rating good or bad and even a small written review good or bad would be appreciated over on 
iTunes. And I write about a variety of Hong Kong and Taiwanese movies over on SoGoodReviews.com, including a, a few Ringo Lam movies here and there. I video review and some basic spoken audio reviews. I'm not on camera because no one needs that. Yeah, they do. I'm still waiting for that sex tape, Ken, that you keep saying about. It's just a one-man sex tape. I don't know why you keep just, you know, keeping everyone in suspense. Just get put it out. Just get it out. Do you know what I mean? But sleazykvideo.com merely holds these basic video reviews for you. And my tweets are available at so good reviews. And that is also... This is also the time to mention that within the show links you'll find a link to vcinemashow.com and Tom KW's review archive over there. That's there. Enjoy it. I'm thinking about starting my own site um, called sobadreviews.com and also like sleazy T, which is going to be like my video site. I don't know whether that's... I think that's a unique idea. I haven't heard anybody with similar titles, so I'm going to do that probably soon. So be on the lookout. Anything to get you to work, just... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but at any rate, uh, we're going to continue to tick off the films in Ringo's filmography abroad and in Hong Kong in the quick takes section. Uh, we're going to share some brief thoughts on the following movies. Uh, first of all, his Jean-Claude Van Damme vehicle Replicant from 2001, as well as his 2003 comedy Looking for Mr. Perfect with Xu K. The full alert section that follows will contain some uh, interview quotes from Ringo that sets the stage nicely, I think, uh, because he, ta- he talks about making movies in the 80s and 90s versus now that interview Mm. and those quotes are from 2015 after that there will be a bio on lead actor Lao Ching Wang courtesy of Tom and we'll conclude the episode with our review and discussion of Full Alert but first of all let's jump into it Replicant from 2001 the quick take of his uh, his second Jean-Claude Van Damme vehicle after Maximum Risk and the thing is Although the idea of going back to like, like the idea of going back to the English language market and repeating the Jean-Claude Van Damme as twins plot, akin to Maximum... Yeah, he, he hadn't done that before, had he? Well, he'd done it twice. <laughs> <laughs> also, the other twin movie, Double Impact, uh, right? Double Impact, yeah. Uh, and also, obviously, in Maximum Risk, he had a brother as well. There's there's some more memes, yeah. There's some more, there's some more, there's some more to think about. Yeah, but those are the main three, yeah. But surely that wasn't a great motivator for Ringo, but still, Replicant sees the filmmaker and main performer, Jean-Claude, in a different place personally. And professionally, especially for Jean-Claude, he had gone through some stuff with uh, drugs and what have you. And uh, Lam, of course, by 2001 had returned to Hong Kong. He logged a claim once more. And Jean-Claude, by the way, he wasn't a huge bankable star in 2001. So the small nature of this production, and in all likelihood it was a straight-to-DVD movie, seems to signal to me, Tom, that both of them, they have this newly found inspiration, maturity and creative freedom between them. Because I really like Replicant. It's got an engaged Michael Rooker leading Van Damme's genetic double around the town in order to catch a serial killer, which is also Jean-Claude, of course. Uh, and Lam, of course, he doesn't have a budget, but he doesn't have a lot of pressure on him uh, to be Ringo Lam, first of all, because he has the opportunity to have fun with the low-budget sci-fi angle. There's some brutality, of course, in the vein of the serial killer movies, but there's also some genuine pathos here present, because... Van Damme actually has quite a non-verbal turn as the newly born clone. And he's picking up knowledge along the way of the world. And and he also carries the burden of being connected to someone evil. That's actually present there. And I like that. And I think he's great because he excels at playing the frail. And his sparse flatlines make sense because the replicant is merely picking up language as he goes. So that makes sense. It's not that Jean-Claude is bad at delivering that. That's the intent. 
uh, there's quality stunt work here and suitably conceived fight scenes. They're, they're not shoehorned in just to please the Jean-Claude fans, but rather the killer versus clone confrontations. They're, they're somewhat more gritty and clever because the clone can determine moves and techniques connected to his so-called brother. So, you, you know, in the end, a somewhat silly and potentially corny concept is treated actually both seriously, but there, there's an aura of relaxed fun here, there's good pace, there's no studio pressure clearly, and Ringo Lam and his star seems to enjoy their newly found respect and creativity for a different marketplace in 2001, i.e. the, the direct-to-video marketplace. So even back then, and this rewatch uh, was rewarding. I, I think it's uh, I think it's good. So this is this is a this is definitely better than maximum risk is is what you're trying to what you're trying to tell me. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, think so. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I tend to agree. I think I think the dramatic beats uh, they get it right a bit better this time. Um, and as you say, I think you hit it on the head there with the. It's a great premise. You know, it was, it's an interesting premise. It's got that, that kind of sci-fi vibe to it. So I think at this point, you know, as you were hinting at, I think Ringo and Jean had, had, had Jean Claude had, had developed some kind of relationship there. Uh, working relationship so I think maybe Jean-Claude wanted uh, to work with a director that he felt you know kind of safe with or, or safe probably wrong word but felt like he had a kind of relationship there they could make something you know good together because as you say yeah I think this was released theatrically in like you know Italy and, and a few other places but it was kind of director video in the US like the first of his kind of director video films um, but yeah, some some great great premise, some inconsistent acting. But I think the relationship between Rooker and you know good JC uh, wouldn't be over. It was actually quite sweet and funny. And um, fair play to JC for technically a taking arguably dual supporting roles to kind of Rooker's character, and then B roles chin. You know both he's kind of made to look a bit daft or you know, made to kind of look a bit silly in terms of the kind of the material itself is, is obviously it's kind of that sci-fi edge. It's, we're talking about clones and a good clone and a bad clone. And, you know, we're, we're talking about kind of uh, ideas that, you know, are a bit more kind of in that sci-fi realm. So fair play to him for kind of just jumping in balls deep and just, and kind of just doing it um, and, and stretching his, his, his dramatic chops a bit there. I think so. It, it's, um, it was going to display that even more in, um, in hell, uh, that that non non verbal stuff. That's probably their best. Yeah, I think they probably get better and better. Like spoilers, but I think they probably just get better and better. And I think that's where their their relationship reached. You know, the absolute peak of working. And he, he he's quick to mention that Jean Claude that Ringo gets him a lot more, and therefore Jean Claude pays attention a lot more to to how he can evolve his acting skills uh, because uh, Ringo isn't there to sort of uh, do some splits the kids like that right they're, like, they're there to some do with store justice but also let's evolve man Let, let's uh, yeah, yeah, be sure, better sure. and uh, that includes me and that includes you as the actor so I think uh, it's uh, quite underrated in that regard um, yeah, yeah I agree I agree if we move on a little bit in his uh, Hong Kong filmography again uh, Ringo Lam looking for Mr. Perfect from 2003 by all accounts, this was shelved for two years, so it was shot. Yeah, shot that. Really bad. Yeah. Who? What was the film that they were releasing in 2001 that was big and they didn't want it to interfere with it? It was Milky Way, wasn't it? I think Milky Way had a 2001 film, or they made something at the same time that was put out. They wanted right. to kind of put the spotlight on that. I, I read. Because you're right, this is a Milky Way movie and a Johnny Toe production. It opened during the SARS outbreak, or the SARS outbreak happened just after, so he died a quick uh, quick death at the box office. Uh, but uh, that's not the movie's fault, obviously. Uh, the, so it was forgotten quickly, and Ringo's return to Lightfair is nigh on abysmal. 
This sucks. <laughs> Uh, Hugh Kay, of course, is impossibly cute and pretty, but she would be anyway. And uh, so just, that's the film. Is Hugh Kay's a babe? Everyone's after her. You know, we get it. It's kind of beautiful people in beautiful locations doing beautiful things. It's pretty much an embarrassment. It's it's Ringo Lamb doing a Milky Way film. Just put those things together. Well, it should have think? been better, therefore. I, I mean, think, like, what would you think would come out of that kind not of working this. relationship? <laughs> not this, you know. And I, I just think that I think. It's partly down just the scripts, just just terrible, just just really bad. It's, I mean, it's commercial fare, definitely. But there's nothing, well, there's nothing wrong with commercial fare, you know. And then the thing is, Milky Way have done romantic kind of light kind of romantic comedies before, and they've been perfectly kind of passable commercial fare. But this themes on, yeah, just the themes are kind of horrendous, like some parts and just just some of the ideas and and the editing ideas behind it. It's just like I, I don't know what people were thinking really, and, and it really never shows any promise as such i mean yes there's hints of shuke uh, as a cop having mental scars and like freaky dreams of someone in white and that could be set up for some genre and mood bending that is uh, but but it's stupid plotting that's low on jokes it's low on romance i mean andy on might have his you know he's proven his chops as an action performer he's not destined for romantic lead at all actually and uh and even acting in Mandarin with Hugh K, because he speaks Mandarin, doesn't uh, re- reveal like a comfort or anything for Andy, because no- normally he was dubbed. Uh, either he spoke English, Black Mask 2, or Mandarin, but dubbed into Cantonese or things like that. So uh, Yeah, the, the film I was actually mentioning was Black Mask 2. It was obviously not a Milky Way film, but it was a, a China Star production. So I think they put that out instead of this, thinking that it'd, it'd make more money during uh, obviously that bad time, the horrible time with, with the SARS outbreak. Uh, Simon Yam nearly saves the movie in his four or five scenes as a cartoon villain. He dances his way through most scenes. You know, he snaps his fingers to have instructions fulfilled. You know, and everybody knows what the snap means uh, in terms of... <laughs> <laughs> it's like looking at Mr. Perfect, a.k.a. Full Contact Part 2. Little it's bit, almost yeah. <laughs> like, it's, dude, it's like the sequel. It's like, it's like the sequel. Like, I was just Simon Yam's character. Or pre or pre or prequel where we had we had more light light fun. <laughs> well, as you say, yeah, probably probably prequel, seeing as the way for contact ended. But you know, we've had we've had people come back from the dead before, so may, you know maybe so. But yeah, mate, it's the same, same, same kind of character, like flamboyant, kind of you know silly, kind of dancing around. Um, and to be honest, is 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 fashion choices was the only thing that kept me watching. At one point, I was like, fuck this film. Obviously, you know, I had to do it for the show as well. That kept me watching it. But otherwise, I'd probably just turned it off. And off, and it's the only time Ringo shows he's having fun, but even that cartoony aura gets too silly by the end because they, there's fights involving fruits and laughing sunflowers. What the hell is that about? I just, I don't, I, I it was such a strange because at one point they're like, oh, there's a what's her name, Chase. <laughs> what would you call it, man? Gondo, uh, no, no, the uh, like, no, not like speedboats, but the kind of the bikes that you go in the water. Rims, them ones, uh, and it's it's too. What's the song that's playing? Don't know. There's some weird like they, they, they use such strange soundtrack choices to it. Uh, it's really odd. As, as I say, look, once it gets towards the end, it it starts making even more bizarre soundtrack choices. We get like cartoon noises and like cartoon kind of expressions, but very weird. And and he, and the comedic gunplay and you know by the end and some surprises involving a rocket launcher inside a car is okay for that scene, but most of the time, Tom, we get annoying suitors, annoying Chapman toe, and these sections are devoid of any good wacky style. So clearly, the cartoon idea, the cartoon idea was the only idea for the movie, and it only consists of four or five scenes within a 
longer movie, right? So, and the rest is just, man, 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 man. It's just, yeah, it's just, it is, it's a bit embarrassing for kind of everyone involved, to be honest. I honestly thought, you know, <laughs> Ringo doing a Milky Way film was going to be something completely different. It was almost like Ringo did his Milky Way film with Full Alert, although it's not, you know, it feels along the same lines, you know, that that, that kind of late 90s vibe, what Johnny Toe was pushing um, with his output. It almost feels like Ringo had done it with Full Alert, uh, whereas this doesn't feel, you know, in that kind of vein at all. And, 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 Mil- and Milky Way were, you know, I didn't always like their comedies, but granted they were successful with their comedy comedies, um, you know, with Andy Lau and Lao Ching Wan and Sammy Chiang. And, and, and I'm not saying it's due to cost, but here's a problem where I, I don't think even the comedic sort of setup and concept was conceived well enough and it sort of die, dies there on the screen. I mean, God, I mean, it's from an aura where you wanted to choke Chapman Toe and look at Chapman Toe now. He's way better as a comedic um, performer. He's now an acclaimed filmmaker. So he's come a long way and uh, this is just, man. They got got a vacation out of it and good for them, but man. Yeah, for me, it was like, you know, films, you know, from this period, you know, with this cast, this vibe, it could be just a comfort food for me, but I think it was so, like, annoying, like, actively kind of annoying me that I couldn't just switch off and enjoy the vibe, but... Yeah, you know, Ringo and the, the squad go on holiday and, you know, mess around for a bit and somehow got a film out of it. But it doesn't feel like a Ringo Land film at all. It doesn't even feel like his, his early comedies that we've already touched upon. You know, obviously, The Side Gentleman or Cupid One, like the ones that we already spoke about, it doesn't even feel like those. Like, it's as a romantic comedy, it's a completely different vibe. Um, it's like someone else is directing it. Yeah, very very strange film. I'll probably like, like I'll probably like it in about five years. So I'll put it on. Like, oh, it's a really good one. That is Look at Mr. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, sunflowers, genius. Ruby Wong is kind of hot uh, as the uh, sort of punk punk wife of uh, Simon Yan's character. So definitely, yeah. th- there's that. Anyway, let's uh, move on to full alert. Finally, a plot from the Love HK film review of the film goes as follows: Lao Ching Wan is Officer Power, stress cop who investigates a routine murder. The culprit is a loser named Mac Quan, played by Francis M, who admits to manslaughter, but not the more serious crimes that he's planning to do with a criminal, played by Jack Cow. Uh, plot says mainland. I think they actually reference the fact that they are Taiwanese. Uh, yeah, yeah, they do say that, yeah. yeah. And, and Jack Cow is Taiwanese uh, as an actor. Uh, problem is, Lau and his crew are on, on, on to Makuan because of the f- handy bomb-making materials they discovered during the investigation. This leads to an elaborate stakeout as the, stakeout as the cops try to discover just exactly what Makuan is up to. But uh, Ringo talked a little bit about the transition and changes of changing of Hong Kong that that is evident in his films, and he, he talked a little bit about uh, that at the New York Asian Film Festival in 2015 in a interview with uh, the website DivaReview.com, and you know he was talking about um, his then recent film uh, Wild City, but he also touched upon old filmmaking and uh, Western filmmaking and stunts, and I thought it it'd be, it would be interesting to share some quotes from that because it applies to. His 80s work, his 90s work, and um, and onwards, and where he is now. So, quote: Hong Kong's been changing. Uh, my mind, uh, my mind has my uh, my thinking's been changing. Uh, I believe I'm getting more mature. So even my movies are getting more mature. My violence and all this stuff, maybe to a certain extent, is uh, tamed nowadays. That is. Uh, they asked me if I wanted to watch City on Fire tonight, meaning the organizers of the festival, and I said, <sighs> "Too much blood." 
Hmm. So, so I picked Full Alert instead. <laughs> uh, so, so City on Fire was made in the year 1986, and then 10 years later I made Full Alert, and in another 10 years I made my segment in Triangle. From these three movies, actually you can see physically the city of Hong Kong is changing, and somehow, somehow I feel like it's very important to record part of Hong Kong through my films, the way it looked, the way the people walked and talked, the way they dressed. I think that's important. Some further quotes uh, because he talked in, you know, about being a filmmaker back in the old days, so to say, in Hong Kong. We worked on very low budget movies and, and the city is completely chaotic and the traffic is uncontrollable, including people. So what could I do? Uh, uh, because he talks about permits and stuff like that uh, or lack of them. So he says, I had to steal shots from the streets all the way all the time so i was trained to work on stuff like this without choice you know this was the only choice so when i worked on maximum risk the american movie then i learned that they buy the whole street they pay all the shops every car every extra extra every extra in vancouver exactly (laughs) they're all paid everything's under control but that's not the case in hong kong so i remember when i did city on fire and full alert and every time when i shot on the street the policeman would come up to me because they must be, right? They're, they're, someone calls them, they must. So we are trained to stand firm. Either you get us and the whole crew, arre- either you get us and the whole crew arrested, or I will continue shooting. That was the only choice I had, and I knew that that day I was going to, you know, waste if I was in the police station, which would be okay. But the bottom line is that the policemen didn't want to arrest us because they didn't want to work and do all the paperwork. <laughs> so at that time they would come in, they would stop us uh, shooting and maybe waste two hours time. They would just stand there kind of watching, but we're not moving. We're not shooting. Everybody just stood firm and eventually they will peter out essentially is what he's saying. He's a smart man, Ringo. He knows he's got the kind of hindsight to kind of look at your own work and go, okay, I didn't, you know, I didn't like that maybe, or that's changed and stuff. So I think it's, he's really um, open-minded director. And also the, the, the city is so small that the, the policemen back in those days knew that, okay, what's worth doing in terms of arresting yeah and, of course of course yeah <laughs> because they're, yeah. they're not doing criminal stuff they're not like blowing up stuff uh well n- maybe not blowing maybe. up stuff <laughs> <laughs> they might be as a matter of fact uh he talks about uh, stunts um versus the old days and now i guess uh, so quote actually in the old days we had a very good action team and everything was planned we worked out all this stuff very carefully and that also reminds me that during the action and you know an accident can cannot be avoided you know it it can happen even a small jump from a chair a simple jump from a chair can cause an accident to harm the action guys so so that was true back then you had to be careful and plan so compared to when i worked on wild city unfortunately people got hurt accidents are very difficult to avoid even if you run out of uh, out of a door without jumping you might uh, fail you might knock yourself against the door whatever nobody can guarantee that everything is safe but we must have the attitude to prepare to make sure that everything we work on is at the safest, safest level. So that reminded me back in the old days when I did Full Alert and City on Fire, nobody got hurt. Today, when I worked on Wild City, it was very impressive. So many things I've got under control and everything is so much better prepared, but we still had accidents. And when I worked on American films, the American action guys also got hurt just by accident. So you never know, but in Hong Kong, they took that thing seriously, obviously. And the the good old days of working out contracts and and agreements in Hong Kong. It's just so Hong Kong. Uh, So Ringo talks of uh, what the agreement was like making City on Fire, for instance, uh, between uh, the company and him. Uh, City on Fire and Full Alert, they were almost the same case. 
as a director in Hong Kong, the contract is less than two pages. Less than two pages. Very simple. And of course, the money was already put on top of the table. So, so then he recreates like the dialogue between him and him and the boss. So, with this money, can you work on the picture? Okay. Then I worked on the picture. The boss, they didn't even talk about or ask about who was <laughs> going to be the lead in the film. I didn't know who was going to be the lead of the film. The only thing that they said was, Ringo, do what you like. Do the kind of movie that you like and use your expertise. That's awesome. It just got that kind of, you know, that freedom to just do it, get it done. And 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 he showed up, you know. Uh, he did, he didn't recklessly make a city on fire or full alert like that. That was uh, no. He, he flew to Malaysia and made a film instead. <laughs> Money on the table wasted. <laughs> but back to full alert for a little bit. Uh, Ringo's return to Hong Kong screens performed respectably, raking in about fourteen million Hong Kong dollars, and was a multi-nominee at the Hong Kong Film Awards, including for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor. And he's but... on the poster. <laughs> Ringo that? is on the po- Ringo is on the poster. Is he really? Yeah, yeah, he's on the bottom. It's awesome. Let's check that out. Oh yeah, I like the. Uh, yeah, I remember yeah. that poster now. Class. Yeah, <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> it's awesome. It's like me and Lau. We're gonna take him down. That's a that's a unusual daring move, even for a Yo, Hong Kong. Really? Yeah, it must have been kind of you know. Uh, marked it as, as his kind of his, his return to kind of the genre that you know made him really uh, he, he was the nominated but uh, the movie lost out to the, to the likes of Fruit Chan's Made in Hong Kong and Wong Kar Wai's Happy Together so that that year well, those were the big movies uh, the Hong Kong Film Critics Society however designated the movie best film of the year and Lao Ching Wan best actor of the year and speaking of Lao Ching Wan, Tom, you did some research on the man, mostly known as Lao Ching Wan, uh, sometimes known as Sean Lao. So what is there to say about the man? Lao Ching Wan, eh? Uh, well, yeah, uh, a.k.a. as you said, a.k.a. Sean Lao, a.k.a. Lao Ching Wen, and the answer would be now. Lol. Yes, you were ready for that one. You'd read that. You've read this before, haven't you? He was ready. Uh, but yeah. it, it, it's really it's an insight into my depressing life. I've been looking forward to do that. <laughs> He's been ready. Um, yeah, so he was born in Hong Kong on 16th February 1964. Like a lot of his acting contemporaries, he started humbly at TVB in the early 80s, uh, kicking off his acting career in 1984 with TV series Draw Out the Rainbow. Sounds interesting. Don't know what it's about. Sounds good, though. Uh, and it took a good decade of hustling for old old chingers. Um, and by hustling, I mean acting his socks off, being an ultra-cool dude, and not tugging off hobos on the street for money. So that's not... There's different means to hustle. So that's the, the latter. Uh, sorry, the former. And from what I can gather, he had to fight a bit to break out from what the local audience at the time perceived as his non-matinee idol looks. Uh, he definitely has a severe lack of Rudolph Valentino vibes, but I'd still share my last roller with him. You know, people are crazy. I don't, I don't, I don't see it. But um, you subtitles, know, subtitles. Oh well, yeah, you, you, I'll send you the facts over. Ken, don't worry. You can, you can, you can, you can laugh at that joke later. Uh, yeah, but from what I read, it was a TVB series called Police Cadet that got him noticed. Uh, then the Greed of Man uh, in '92. That was like a um, stock market drama. Uh, yeah, it might have been. I know why Kafai worked on it to a degree because I've, I've heard uh, interviews with why Kafai and uh, you know be, being probably a director uh, during a stretch uh, of uh, making Greed of Man. 
It was a big series, yeah, from what I can gather. And I think it had a sequel after Loward. Um, obviously been in films for a few years. I think in the early 2000s or late 90s, it came back for like a, a sequel that he appeared on. So his last, I think his last TV credit was that, the Greedo Man sequel in the late 90s. But yeah, that um, secured his role as a leading man with TV fans. Uh, and in that one, he starred alongside Adam Chen. And as a side note, uh, I never heard... Um, of this uh, until researching my boy Lau, but there's this thing called the, the, the Ting Hei or Adam Cheng effect, which is basically is whenever a film or TV series starring Adam is released, there's an unexplained drop in the stock market. I've heard that too. I remember doing research for uh, our uh, Taiwanese show uh, because we talked about an Adam Cheng movie, and I, I heard that too that they, 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 he had uh, some kind of uh, he's like Trump essentially. Whenever Adam <laughs> Cheng does something, he can uh, make the stock market go up and down. It might not be true, but I, I know I've used that info and uh, and uh, yeah, yeah. hope it's true because it sounds mad. Like Adam Cheng is a big actor, but out of all actors to have an effect on them. I know, yeah. He's actually, I think he's actually commented on it as well and said, like, I, I recognize it, but I don't adhere to it. Or something like that. Like, he knows it, it's it's kind of like a thing, but he says he, he, thinks, it's, he thinks it's bollocks. I think... Probably must be mis- misquoting him there. I don't think he said it was bollocks, to be honest. But you you can find that it's on the internet, guys. Come on. Um, but yeah, so the Greedy Man was also where Lau met his future wife Amy Kwok, Brucey Bonus, who uh, obviously appeared with him in the previous film we're talking about, Victim. Still married, as far as I know. So at this time, he dabbled with a few movie roles, most notably probably yeah, Silent Love in '86 and My Dear Son in '89, which we covered on the show. Uh, as they're both David Chang directed numbers, shout out to me and Ken's old old podcast. Get on that, guys. Uh, and a small role in Jackie's Police Story 2, sandwiched between those two. From there, he got his first taste of award season with Derek E's Sailor V. Monchari, Frenching it up in 1993 that, that smashed it at the Hong Kong Film Awards the following year, in which Lau was nominated for Best Actor uh, amongst the the nominations and wins of that film got. I think Best Picture, Best Director, it, it basically won the whole thing. Yeah, Best Actress probably as well for Anita Yun. Anita Yun, yeah, sorry. Um, and yeah, he, um, the same nomination came with Benny Chan's blazing cop thriller, uh, Big Bullet, in 1996. Um, and he went, he went on to win Best Actor at the Hong Kong Film Critics Society Awards in 97 for the film We Are Discussing Tonight. So he's starting to get, you know, his, his kind of first his first taste of it, um, of, of kind of award season. And being really good in cop roles at this time. Yeah, of course. I think he, he carved himself out, you know, a niche at that point. Um, and obviously Full Alert from there is notably, that's where he kind of began his prolific run of Milky Way. Not, not, not Milky Way, I don't know why I wrote that. Um, but obviously that's when... Around that, so I think it was me thinking that obviously the whole thing with Full Alert feeling like a Milky Way film, which it does, um, but obviously it's not. Um, but again, from there he started this kind of working relationship with Johnny Toe uh, in the late nineties, which stretched into the new millennium and classic upon classic um, heaped in that little space in his filmography from you know a lot of what we've covered. Uh, Too many ways to be number one, the Hero Never Dies, Running Out of Time, just to name a few. Uh, culminating in arguably his greatest performance under Toe's direction, Mad Detective, uh, which again bagged him uh, a nomination at the HK Film Awards in 2007, which I think is his best performance with Toe. I don't know whether it's his best film with Toe, but I think it's probably his best performance. I think it's the best fusion of like director and actor working together. And Pretty kind of... challenging on all uh, fronts, as well as being very cinematic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it, But it was the film the year before, though, 2006, the cameo-packed uh, comedy My Name is Fame, which cheekily reflected on his undue 
lack of silverware that ironically finally bagged him uh, the black chick wrapped in film strip he'd always wanted. <laughs> Literally, just don't tell Amy. The past few years have been kind to Big Sean and his commercial appeal and box office success are not has not waned. Among his most recent bangers, uh, Down With The Kids, are Alex Max and Felix Chong's humongous overheard trilogy. Uh, and also his last Milky Way to date, Life Without Principle, from 2012. Also keeping him sexy, which is a lot of people are unaware of, is his massive voice acting career. I think I gave myself another time for that gag then. Uh, yeah, uh, voice acting career, which has spanned Buzz Lightyear to Batman, uh, which not a lot of people know of. Um, dubbing for the Cantonese-speaking release of uh, some major American films, all of which has not stopped his momentum a bit. And I personally hope he's going to keep hitting it out of the park well into his 60s. I think he's 57 now. Yeah, that makes sense. Do, do the maths, yeah. Um, but yeah, man. So I think I, a little. I put a little note here as well um, about election three. Let's can we get that done? Can we get that sorted out, guys? It's been announced for ages. That film. Uh... Ages, I think it was like 2015. So it was announced. But Andy Lau, Lewis Koo, Lau Ching Wan, Francis Sung, Anthony Wong, Nick Chung. Can we get on it, please, guys? Can we sort that out? Well, it's definitely going to have Lewis Koo just by default, really. Standard. He's in everything, so it's standard. Yeah, that's that goes without saying. Well, well, the last Louting One movie I saw was probably Call of Heroes, where he played the uh, sort of a sheriff of the town oppressed by by the villains in that sort of uh, western feel uh, uh, movie, uh, meaning the genre of the the western. And uh, he was good. He did really well with action choreography, um, not just with the whip that he uses, but also some hand to hand stuff. There. So uh, that's a lot, like another notch on his belt in his latter career that he can perform action when directed suitably well you know well shout out to uh me and Shu covered it on his podcast uh films and severing um but yeah we covered that was it last year i think but you can look that up guys we had a good time uh, discussing that one i had a great time with that one yeah it was good little um you know benny chan's always massively reliable um for my money even so, i yeah. liked it yeah, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you normally you normally hate on the old Benny Chan, don't you, mate? But, uh, yeah, I, really reliable, uh, really good, like, nice bit of, uh, you know, popcorn fun. So, uh, yeah, shout out. And even uh, Francis, mm, uh, to a degree, or maybe just for one movie, has also done what Lao Chi Wan has done in terms of uh, uh, dubbing Western animated uh, films, because I believe Francis um, was the Cantonese language lead for The Incredibles. Was he really? Or, that's or awesome. the villain. I'm not sure, but I remember back in the day. That's cool. I like Francis a lot. That's class. I need to look into that. I really I really would be interested to watch him in Cantonese if it if it kind of meant, you know, checking out roles from, you know, guys we love like Lau and uh, Francis. That's awesome. We'll be covering films for years to come from Lau. Because he, uh, he just keeps getting better. So that's very Have cool. you seen the Overheard trilogy? I meant to ask you. Uh, I haven't. It's not, it's not something I've seen, but I know it's obviously huge. Um, you know, spawned like two sequels, and a lot of people are comparing it to the Infernal Affairs trilogy in terms of kind of the impact it's had. Mm. No, I didn't actually. Uh, but they, it, they they sounded like uh, each movie, or at least one of the movies, uh, tried different things versus one of the other uh, parts, maybe injecting some. Uh, current uh, political social commentary and things like that so they 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 were thinking a little bit so um uh, because i don't know if they are actually connected because if you just look at the names between overheard and overheard 2 louching one has different names so so they they might be thematically connected but not uh, sequels in that regard might be i don't know so let's move over to full alert our big review so to say a more in-depth review of it and therefore my short opinion it's a fine return to hong kong that Seems to strip the cops and robbers template down to its basic core, but it's actually 
a rather affecting procedural it's has good action a good like tense cat and mouse game going on and character depth is actually on display here despite its basic premise so that depth is as approachable as it is valid and poignant you know um so uh because this scenario has an effect on both the cop and the robber so welcome back to hong kong ringo lamb from 1997 <laughs> it is, yeah it's, it's it's a really you know incredible kind of comeback and i think that it's a it's a solid cop drama and it's focused on more on procedural side of things than the kind of bombast we get the bombast as well but it's more focused on the procedural side of things and the kind of emotional effect it has on our characters with you know two you know phenomenal kind of performances on both ends you know, Ringo, he's certainly not ashamed of being back in familiar territory, you know, cops and robbers. But at the same time, is it? Because we get that long handheld shot uh, with cops running in into an apartment building and people throwing dialogue out about, like, the water is poisoned. So something's happened. So you're like, what? Poison? Like, what's happened? And then you get that rather grim discovery in the water tank. Uh, and the, the, the filters are all red and stuff. But the lamb really gets the grim correct here and that sets us off and and obviously he doesn't waste time hiding his leads from us because uh, the, the the sort of trick here and i enjoy this trick when done well obviously is that it seems like the cops are all over the case they got their man and that man seems like a weakling and it's all gonna work out because they arrest francis mm, immediately and i don't know about you but that structure if done right, is quite appealing to me. I mean, the Korean movie The Chaser did it, for instance. You, they, they catch the killer, but yeah, it's not course, over yet. <laughs> no, it's good. Like, but I don't think with this one, it never really sets that up as this is going to be the main start of the film. It's literally like it goes from you know the opening scene as you're describing to you know the arrest, and I think it really makes an interesting kind of premise. It's like okay, do you know they're going to let this guy go, or you know what's going to happen? He's obviously making threats to pull off a big job, and I think that's really interesting the way that it kind of flips it on its head it's not really kind of a you know a two hour or hour and a half chase for one guy it kind of flips it around and it kind of goes it might be this guy it might be someone else he's got connections so it's really interesting but it's already good and tight and tense and uh, and cool because Lao Ching Wan is cool playing a cop and uh, it indeed seems like they have all they need on Francis uh, they interrogate him and he seems like so weak uh, oh, can I get something to drink and they kick him around a bit but the dynamic is very interesting because this is what the movie leads with and uh, the engagement between the actors is interesting because you got your guys and this is the core that's going to get us some very affecting places and i mean if we stop a little bit at francis uh, in my mind he started to gel as an actor around this time especially the year before with the wild roles in uh, the wild role in young and dangerous he got the character spin-off which wasn't connected to young and dangerous it's like a quirky satirical spin-off once upon a time in tried society that's my kind of yeah his, his big star for me is once upon a time in tried society where it really was kind of focused on him um yeah, as a kind of leading man was was that film for sure but he, he wasn't just wild or anything like he had charisma skills he knew how to underplay he knew how to you know literally engage through his acting but because he i think he's at his best when he's has a very calm way of delivering 
things that have a menacing undertone. You know, just think of his performance in Infernal Affairs two, how and the, and, the, and the mission as well. Like exactly the same thing. There's that. There's exactly what you're describing. Um, it, it's that vibe of like there's that kind of um, under the surface kind of rage. You know, under the surface kind of anger, and he works well. Like those kind of calm, restrained performances that you know he could he could explode. So I think it's re- really one of the best. You know, he's always whenever he's like again, he plays a good guy in films as well. Um, like it's one of my favorite Hong Kong actors because whenever he plays a good guy as well, it's always that kind of he's not hundred percent the kind of white hat of the film. He's always got something kind of beneath the surface there. He's always plays these kind of very three dimensional characters. It's not very kind of cut and dry, cut and dried with him. There's always something beneath the surface. Indeed, and uh, you know, not everything is great, but he's a working actor. He does a lot, but when he's good, it's really good. I mean. The 90s run and early 2000s run is really quite something. Uh, the early Wilson Yip movies, Bullets of a Summer, and especially Juliet in Love, which is uh, just reference material. I mean, Infernal Affairs 2 is a little bit easier to grasp than Juliet in Love, but still, seek out Juliet in Love for... Um, like, like, he's a very quirky actor in it, but the dramatic developments that happen are quite uh, quite good. I agree, that might be his best dramatic performance in terms of kind of he's able to showcase everything you know about him in terms of his, his, his acting kind of um his kind of acting mo or they say whatever what he's got to kind of brings bring to the uh the table he basically showcases kind of everything in that film so it arguably might be his, his, his best performance i i think but ringo populates the movie with uh good faces and good supporting actors to lead each development and lead the tension and make sure it is exciting because it's obviously not these guys but you know supporting actors like Chinkalok and obviously on the on the flip side flip side in the villain camp we have Jack Cow so is that the, is a well cast you think uh, for even supporting uh, supporting roles and the developments that the support represents? Yeah, I think it's awesome. It's awesome to have Chin Carlock in in a kind of uh, I wouldn't say leading role, but kind of as a kind of um, He's a good catalyst for like some of the drama that happens as well, and some of it revolves around him. And it's a really good chance to um, for him to shine as well during the film. Obviously, kind of famously more of a kind of background guy, uh, and in terms of you know he's he'd been acting for a long time at this point, but yeah, more kind of small roles. It's good that he kind of gets a, a showcase in this one to kind of do his thing and, and a lot of good plot beats and a lot of good dramatic points, uh, dramatic beats. And, and and he responds very well to it, just like he responded well to it in Derek Yee's Full Throttle a few years earlier. So he, uh, yeah, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he was up to to the task of, uh, and he wasn't just slotted into. He just do some melodrama, and we call that acting. It, not at all, actually. No, 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 no. And, yeah, and course. and that's on display here. And uh, it's not easy to execute the procedural either. And I think that it's exciting the way Ringo starts to depict, you know, the way they trace incoming calls and uh, then they set off as a unit. I remember you and I talked of uh, OCTB in that regard that Kirk Wong was really yeah, good at yeah, yeah, yeah. M- making those beats, you know, exciting and you become giddy as they draw their guns and kick doors and shit like that. Like Ringo does that very, very well. And I mean, it's it's more gnarly because you know Ringo is not he's not pretty when it comes to his violence or anything and it's gonna feel dangerous so you know obviously that explosion in in the apartment with all the gas uh, but all those beats man i think he's so on top of it man he and it's so exciting to follow this stuff you 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 don't feel like there's a lull in anything he does there's no feeling to anything he does it's just 
old like old fashioned excitement almost because he's doing a cop yeah. movie and mm. yet when someone do, does a cop movie or cops and robbers movie really well you don't mind the familiarity that you've seen a thousand times before no no i mean it's, it's, it's with everything it's 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 tell you putting your spin on it i mean you can go over the same you know it's kind of a, a, a guitar player playing like it's the same chords isn't it but it depends on what you do with it and i think with this it's ringo using those kind of same chords to create you you know a kind of masterpiece um from a very sure hand um at this point in his career it's a very confident film like he's very he's confident in slowing the film down as well and not having too much bombast you know it's there uh with, with kind of car chases and, and the stuff that he's, he he does well and is known for but he also takes time out and he's not afraid to kind of slow it down show the routine like you're saying like tracing calls and then stuff with the computers and checking stuff and maps and blueprints and stuff like that you know and it, it takes time to really kind of let you just soak in the procedural element of the film and it's not overwhelming thankfully either because he he, he knows damn well that you can't just throw that stuff on people uh, just because the script says that these are the developments you kind of need to yeah, it all makes sense. It's not just bullshit. Like, it all makes sense. It's like they're doing this, you know, it's not this kind of, oh, the sub- supercomputers found out where he is. You know, so it all it all kind of makes sense. They're kind of tracking things and numbers and the horse races and stuff. And it all it all kind of makes sense. And it just runs at like a, even though it's slow moments, it runs at a kind of blistering kind of pace straight through it. And I think whereas, you know, it, it's kind of linked to City on Fire, I think, is where it deals with the kind of pathos of, of, of the characters you know, the kind of emotional elements of it, the toll that it's taken on the characters and their kind of relationships. And I think that it's more to do with that, say, as something like maybe Full Contact does the Ringo Lamb kind of bombast, you know, arguably the best in terms of everything, in terms of that category that he does in terms of the action. The, the only toll that um, things had on characters is Full Contact is probably Simon Jam, Yam's judge just tugging it all the time, just wanting yeah. Jaya fat. That was the only... <laughs> No, it's, it's, it's true. I want him and I want to kill him. I want him and I want to kill him. <laughs> but that's that's a different film, you know. Again, yes, I exactly. about it. it's more of a cartoon. I think with this, it's, it's more linkly tied. Exactly. Like as 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 you were saying with what you were discussing when he was talking about the film, I think it's it's very very similar films. You know, they both deal you know with cops and 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 the kind of the the struggles of cops just having to lead a normal life. It's good that you mentioned that because it indeed segues into that. I mean, for, for, first we have. Something I hate, but Ringo does it so well here when bad guys are monologuing. I don't like that in movies, but he. But, well, not even that. They're they're telling stories about, I remember this time. But here he does it so well because Francis talks of a killing he's done before, and, uh, or or rather, the the killing of the person they find in the tank at the beginning of the movie, and how that haunts him. And at least by connecting that story to something we've seen rather than the past. Ringo very skillfully injects that fact that the villain is probably haunted by death, but has his plan. So he's going to take that risk mentally, Mm. psychologically. And then Lam is not backing away from the trope that Lao Ching Wan's character has a past that haunts him because he's not Rambo. You know, even when he's suiting up for a mission, uh, uh, putting on his bulletproof vest, that's a dangerous thing. And I hate it when filmmakers make it look so easy, Tom. But you know that scene where he's suiting up in the morning and it's not like a suiting up like... <laughs> no, not at all. It's, um, it's, it's kind of... It's kind of sad, but that's his... They both, they both have their place. Yeah, I know what you mean. They both have their place. Like, there's kind of the, the big kind of 80s thing of doing that, the big 80s kind of action thing of doing that, something like Commando, which is awesome. Uh, but obviously, this is more dealing with 
you know, the kind of more the pathos of saying the more kind of emotional side to it. They're, they're, yeah, they're, I mean, it says much without saying it because they don't. Yeah, especially sort with of, the look that he gives and and that kind of moment with his wife, which is you know, there's no dialogue there. It, it definitely, well, there were there is, but there's that initial moment that's just quite like silent. And it, it it again, it just it lets the camera just like linger there. And, and again, just noting on just letting the camera linger there, the, the the part where Ringo just lets the camera explore the house when it's kind of in the darkness and we just hear like a child's cry. Is one of the best moments, like in the film, one of the best moments that he's ever put on, put on on kind of celluloid. It says so much without showcasing anything. And what's going on in your mind is obviously going to be a thousand times worse than what's actually happening. Is that uh, drive that Louching One's power has versus that he is haunted? He's gonna be able to put forth that drive as a leader. But mm. you know, if anything, and it could have been so hokey if a filmmaker would have been less qualified than Ringo Lam. But if anything, when Ringo Lam talks with his very supportive wife um, let's say name check her I think it was Monica Chan he talks with her and the line he says and I love it so much it really affected me is that my gun feels heavier and heavier and you just realize that he's he's gonna do it but he's not particularly pleased that that it's getting heavier and heavier to uh, it's ta- it's taking its toll uh, yeah it's, it's really taking its toll now. and he, he looks you know it's like he's a he's a seasoned cop you know he's been doing it for a long time and it's it's and, and that's that's what i like about you know both characters is that they run kind of similar uh, you know story arcs they both have things they're not proud of they're both kind of going through emotional trials and tribulations in terms of their job you know one's a robber and, and one's a thief but they're still having trouble with the job i think that's where on a, on a side note is where the comparisons to uh heat uh, Michael Mann's heat kind of pop up, like especially some of the confrontations that they have when they're just talking one on one. They both almost like respect each other and what they do. Not seen heat in ages, but, but I don't remember taking it very seriously as such because it's. You know, well, yeah. well, if you talk about yeah, I mean, was Pacino's performance in it, he he had a subplot that was cut from the film that he was supposed to be like a coke addict. Yeah, it seems like it. <laughs> so it's it's it, obviously his performance not sure, but I meant more the scenes of them kind of going head to head and more kind of having a like conversations, just quiet conversations in terms of like they see each other as just just people doing jobs, but it's not going to get in the way of them taking each other down. And obviously, um. Lao's character um, is about Bao Wei and uh, Wei Hung, uh, and also Francis' character Matt Con. They have like a kind of quiet moment. Um, I think in the in the cells in the play, police station. Uh, again, whatever that conversation, they're just talking about kind of you know going after each other and, and kind of what's at stake and stuff. And I think that that reminded me. Obviously, he was, was a couple of years earlier, so I think the influence is is kind of there, or at least it reminded me um, of that film for sure. Uh, what do you think of the um, of the car chase, technically, and uh, is and ex- is it exciting? Is it does it fit the movie? Yeah, I mean, technically, as well, it works in because again, it, the there's a lot of stake and there's a lot of stake that's put on the actual car chase and what's. And by the way, uh, the context is sort of that uh, they have spotted the uh, Taiwanese uh, gang that's going to attempt to break out Macquan from his prison transport. So when they spot them, the chase is on. As you, as you say, there's a lot kind of put on in terms of plot-wise and where the direction the film's heading on, on that car chase and what's going to happen, you know, what's going to happen to the plot or where the plot's going to go uh, in terms of kind of what happens in this car chase. So it's good and it's really good. It's really well built up. And I think before the scenes before it and the scenes after it really 
the season before it kind of ramp it up in terms of you know the stakes and what's going to happen and, and the kind of the logistics of it and then the scenes afterwards are more the kind of emotional effects of of, of what happens and and you know and this particular uh, vehicular choreography is is marvelous because they do the car chases on on the tight streets of hong kong it doesn't feel choreographed in feel obviously it is but do you know they drive on those on the on the train tracks and you see people getting out of the way it feels like genuine danger there's excellent editing between actors and the stunt drivers the radio communication to forward the plot we get a sense of location in terms of where everybody are and uh, it's not too chaotic uh, um, as such, like, like it's coherent as made uh, and it shows that it's not easy to stop determine bad guys that are also armed to the teeth uh, you know aside from being good drivers i suppose yeah but, well we get both you get obviously like the, the kind of the, the shootout kind of aspect of it and and the car stuff like within the same scene and obviously the dramatic tension as well and the emotional you know uh, climax of it it's it's all good all the elements you know go together really well there and you know what i love that i couldn't spot any shot of uh, Hundreds of Hong Kong people looking on. Looking on, yeah, yeah. You you always can't go. You like especially some of the bigger scenes. It always any any film you can always see like a, a at group most of you get people actually looking on that are just walking on the street rather than a pack of crowd. Someone getting chased there. Like, what's what's, what's going on? Just, I just, love that. Should I call the police or? What's going on? <laughs> well, the police is going to arrive soon to Ringo Lamb's set. I was going to say anyway. Yeah, <laughs> come knocking on Ringo's door. Were you? Uh, fucking around with cars yesterday in the city center no it wasn't me sir okay <laughs> no worries did you blow anything up oh really no we flipped the car Ring- ringo's got like his hands together and he's like shaking his like feet like the back of his feet like no no <laughs> what are you doing okay we believe you ringo no worries but, but yeah as you hinted on there, there there's never really sugary in terms of the emotional effects and emotional toll and the emotional reaction that happens after you know there's some, some tragic events here and uh, it's it's just realistic i think that i think it's far from melodrama yeah it's far from melodrama it's more yeah kind of you know serious kind of dramatic um especially performances i mean it's there most most of it's just in kind of looks and and facial facial kind of emo- expressions rather than kind of big heaps of melodramatic dialogue and, and yeah, yeah they, they react to tragedy but it's not like ringo lamb is telegraphing any drama here like the unit needs to be led by someone calm and assured and Lao Ching Wan isn't at one point he takes out his frustration onto one character and then he's wrong for doing yeah, so and yeah. I think that's rather poignant where they all realize that we can't unravel as a group otherwise we lose so those challenges the way you have to sort of find strength they're, they're really really effective actually um, and fits in a scenario like, uh, like a glove and uh, as we said he's not shying away from uh, primal instant deaths and beatings either there's a little shovel scene courtesy of jack cow <laughs> yeah we get we get both like i was saying we, we you get both again it's more about the procedure but you also get the kind of bombast and, and the more kind of um you know explosive stuff the more kind of gritty stuff the ringo's known force you get both halves you know together which i think it, it makes a really potent potent film and uh, he's always terrifying uh, jack cow as uh, as a villain uh you know, sometimes he got material. He scares himself in the mirror. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, he often played hard characters and Taiwanese villains and so forth. Here he got material. He's got some good uh, good dramatic material in uh, Teddy Chan's movie In the Heat of Summer. 
He's going to throw down, man. He's going to throw down. Do you remember throw? I think he's more of a restraint, more restraint role in that one. He's less of a kind of thug, kind of boss in that one. But he's he's really good in that. If I remember. In Johnny Toes, throw down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah. I was thinking of that movie the, the other day, but I wanted to cover that again because I. I remember liking Throwdown quite a bit. The old rewatch action. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I think I'd last seen it on VCD, maybe. Which probably needs an upgrade. <laughs> so, what, what film did you mention? Sorry, I think I cut you off. What film did you uh, mention? Well, he, he was really good in the Teddy Chen movie, In the Heat of Summer, which is... Uh, 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 yeah, it's a good movie. He plays like a disgruntled um, policeman. So, so, obviously, police chasing police. And uh, it, it's good. It's good. Uh, not universally liked but i thought uh, he responded because jack doesn't need to sort of glare and shout to be scary jack just has this presence about him that that means he's made for villains but he's actually a fine actor yeah definitely just because he was slotted into these uh, roles doesn't mean that he's not a fine actor because he really really is and and also that that brings out the point that the movie deals with uh, languages as you should be in a sync sound movie we have Cantonese and Mandarin uh, mixture here with uh, obviously the Taiwanese villains speaking Mandarin to each other. So always appreciated that uh, little uh, uh, fine attention to detail. And I think Francis speaks Mandarin to Jack Cow in their scenes and so forth. So yeah, I think I think it always helps with the you know the realism, especially with films like this that are kind of a bit more kind of gritty and a bit more kind of uh, you know down to earth. It's always it always helps the kind of the actors to you know be able to kind of. Um, Act with the voice, and obviously Lau's got the goods. Otherwise, he wouldn't be Buzz Lightyear. Do you know what I mean? Why? Why would they wouldn't cast him as Buzz Lightyear if he didn't have that, you know, that gravelly, hard man, you know, tough voice? You know what I mean? Well, well, I certainly prefer him versus Tim Allen in concept. You know what I mean? Louching <laughs> like, uh, one sounds better to controversial. me. Controversial, tool time, baby, tool time. And uh, just my final note, uh, without spoiling anything, there's fine tension towards the end as characters are on either side of a vault door and uh but that's not the end of the movie at all but uh ringo really keeps it together there's some cracking violence here and some very just almost uh mentally unstable dishing out of <laughs> violence here <laughs> right <laughs> uh like that after shot after someone has been uh, shot a few more times than needed you you see an after shot of that person whoa he shot him to death Ouch. and then some <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, really, it's a, it's a strong move all throughout, and uh, yeah. uh, the poignancy of how what an emotional toll all of this takes on a cop and a robber is a thread that Ringo gets right, even when the credits start rolling. He's not done by the time the credits start rolling uh, at all. Uh, you might not feel good about things in terms of uh, positivity at the end, but uh, it's uh, it, it's a rather remarkable what it does. And and you know, at the end, I thought to myself. I love Hong Kong cinema for for this reason that this movie existed. I love Hong Kong cinema also to, when you think of when same actors, same year, appear in completely different movies because the same year was too many ways to be number one, man. Of course, yeah, of course, yeah. Which is yeah. you know Francis mm, as a complete idiot. And in the year be- year before Big Bullet as well, same pairing. Oh, was he? Oh, yeah, he's in that movie for a bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Uh, so I, I just laughed to myself that too many ways to be number one. You got to try at fools, including Francis Um as a complete moron, and both doing wonderfully, uh, wonderful work. Uh, you know, dude, they were killing it, man. I know, I know the late nineties or, or like just before the kind of uh, you know the handover. A lot of people talk about the cinema kind of getting a bit 
stereotypical look in terms of Hong Kong cinema in general, like not reaching the kind of glory of the 80s. But I think the 90s has got just as good stuff. You just, you know, as soon as you look into it, I mean, again, just with these two guys here, Lau and Francis, like in terms of the range they're offering, just this kind of this back end of the 90s period, they were just absolutely just churning, churning for the wrong word because they were just banging them out and it was just all of just incredible quality. I mean, the proof is there. Uh, the proof is there. I think uh, you, you you do need to look into it a little bit because it's easier to find more low budget and quickies than... Uh... Oh, there was a lot of shit as well, for, for sure. Yeah, you have to look amongst it. Uh, and there's a lot of crap being churned out, but there's just so much good stuff there. I mean, that, I mean, just... You know, especially discovering Francis. I mean, wh- when I got the sense of that, that guy's just watchable, whatever he does, you know. He, his run meant that you also found you know, gem upon gem when you were looking around that late 90s, early 2000 period, whether it's, you know, I like Gen Cops in, Gen X Cops in general, but I think his role is wonderful because he's given, he's given that foul English dialogue and he's not really comfortable with English, but he's going for it, man. Uh, you know, he has that dialogue about, uh, I'll see you mother in hell and I'll fuck her up the ass. <laughs> Like, Jesus. <laughs> but he delivers that with gusto, man. And he's seen a war named Desire, a very good Alan Mack movie. He's done this movie called Clean My Name, Mr. Coroner. And it's a quirky performance that I love as well. 2000 AD, he got awarded for that role. It, it, it's not a great movie, but he's great. No, but it's fun. It's fun. It's one of those kind of like nice comfort food films, you know. And if I, if I were to recommend something that might not sound like it's special... But it's a chance to see if you if you've seen Francis like play it evil and crazy. Look up look up a movie like Bakery or more, where it's a romantic comedy. He plays a lot more strange, yeah, a little yeah. bit of a Forrest Gump style character, but but very endearing. And it's a sweet romance with uh, him and Michelle uh, uh, Race or Hayes, depending on how you pronounce that. Um, and I like Bakery or more for that reason. He's uh, he just brought it for even a romance. This is what I'm trying to, you know, election three, man. Let's get on it. You and me shall make it. Let's just do it. They've announced it. Me and Cal take the reins. Come on, we will do it. It will be abysmal. But at least we get to meet the cast. He's, he's a working actor, you know, he's going through it. But he's been in a lot of stuff that just it just looks all the kind of same, you know what I mean? Like a lot of these kind of mainland kind of comedies and stuff. It's just... Did you uh, did you ever see him, uh, uh, his impression of uh, Enter the Dragon's Sek Kin in uh, the movie Fantasia? He, he plays the, uh, it's a Lunar New Year movie by Wai Kafai. Lao Ching Wan plays essentially Michael Hoy. Uh, Francis Um does Sekin, not out of Enter the Dragon, but Sekin out of the private eye. So he's got the uh, Gary shirt and all of that. And uh, Jordan Chan is Ricky Hoy, essentially. So he's got the brace on. So is that, what, is that the film like revolving around that? Or is that just kind of some kind of uh, skit? No, they're, they're sort of those characters. Uh, even though... Uh, Fantasia, it's called. Uh, Fantasia, Ce- I'll have to look it Cecilia up, Chung is essentially Josephine Chow from Plain Jane to the Rescue. So she, she's got those thick glasses. And Louis Koo is Sam Hoy. <laughs> Man, <laughs> of I'm, course. Just look, I'm looking at the poster now. It looks absolutely hilarious. You got Louis, you got Louis Koo with a guitar, the hair, it's perfect. And it isn't too local because if you know the Hoy Brothers movies, and uh, two or three of them, uh, Private Eye, Security Unlimited, and so forth, you'll be comfortable. And uh, it's hysterical at points. And Francis gets a chance to be big second, like you read about, and it's so funny. You can, you can, you can do everything, man. You know, I think you can do everything. He's, he's an incredible actor. Many, many highlights. Uh, shall we move on to the availability, or do you have any other notes? Um, do, 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 do. I've got a good story about um, about uh, Full Alert. I actually, I think I bought it off 
DDD house. And it was, yeah. I think it was out of print at that point. It was maybe the first DVD. I think there's been a re-release since. Yep. I think it was the first print one because there was a UK DVD of it. Yeah, we, and what happened was uh, I couldn't find that anywhere. Couldn't track it down. It was like sixty quid on Amazon or something. I was like, dude, I'm not. Fuck, I was like, fuck that. I was like, I'm gagging, but I'm not that gagging. So I ended up like, so I bought it off the internet with a bunch of other stuff. It was like cheap as chips. And then I remember the, the day after I'd actually just clicked buy, and it was gonna be like what three weeks or whatever to come to my house from there. I actually found it in Computer Exchange secondhand, the UK printing of it. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so I was just like, fuck it, I'll buy it. It was like a five as soon as like, it's on. So like, yeah, I took it home, like, you know, watched it with that. And then I think I, the Hong Kong DVD came through, watched it again. And then I ended up sending the UK DVD to Jimmy Almore, shout out from the uh, the POF forums. Um, what was it? What's his handle on the POF forums, man? Uh, tons of fun. Tons of fun. Yeah. And it was sending it to Jimmy because I, I had doubles and I don't think he'd seen it. So, uh, yeah, spreading the love, spreading the joy. And yeah, it always happens. They're like uh, buses. DVDs are. They always, they're big and people get on them and, you know, they travel around and stuff. I think that's the, that's the, what the saying is. I can't remember. So as for availability, the old Mayar DVD and the new remastered DVD from the same company are listed as out of print. Uh, the, the remastered one was said to be missing some some footage, some brief random footage for some reason. The, the Amazon marketplace currently only has expensive used copies of that uh, on the US side. The UK side does have the mentioned UK release from MIA available cheaply and I'm sure the quality is more than tolerable for the price I mean we're not talking VH, we're not talking VHS rips it'll, it'll be fine for the price I mean and if you go on eBay they mostly contain the same said UK DVD so the Hong Kong DVD is a bit elusive and has not been uh, repressed and uh, remastered uh, for HD or anything so it you, you know it might be but it's not released so I don't know why it's it, like seeing them cropping up now, like in charity shops and and on eBay and stuff. It was it was really expensive, and I was looking for it. Mad DVDs, eh, guy? With the home home media collecting, who'd do that? Who would be into that? And who would do that? Waste of money, eh, Ken? Real waste of money buying videos and DVDs and stuff. When you say Ken, I like fun. <laughs> I can tell. And collecting is fun. I agree, 100%. Not when it's, you know, you got to pay out the ass for it, but it's it's fun. I mean, you're, you're, you know, you're dealing with cheaper formats now, so it, it's it's definitely fun compared to how Well, I do, be. but um, even if when I buy, like, VHS lots of, like, anime, it's only from local eBay anyway. So I've, I've, uh, I've kept it, uh, I'm just uh, waiting for deals rather than, uh, yeah, definitely. like, uh, finding £10 tapes or £15 tapes. I'm not, uh, and, and I'm not going there. I'm trying to get more more for that price, you know. At, at any rate, we are going to conclude uh, matters here uh, for all your Podcast on Fire network needs, including the back catalogue of the director's series and our uh, trip through Ringo Lance filmography so far. Go to podcastonfire.com. All social media links are available on site or in the show post that, that accompanies this episode. That includes my site and Tom's review archive on vcinemashow.com. And there's only three or four movies left currently in Ringo Lance filmography. I mean, three so to say Hong Kong movies because they're, they're well Hong Kong mainland movies because you got Triangle Wild City on Sky on Fire but obviously in Hell is uh, there too for the English language uh, sort of uh, entry we might do therefore one mega episode to end it all or split it up into two but uh, that's we, we're on the we're on the, 
the finishing uh, we're on the finishing sort of uh, stretch here so um we are man we are um, so i'm thinking maybe we're gonna give uh, one of his english language movies the full review treatment therefore in hell which i wouldn't mind to be honest uh, because uh, i like me, that enough me neither so uh but uh, that's uh that, that's what hap- what's happening and we're gonna hit the think tank as i said to see if we how we're gonna split it up or also we're gonna think of what directors to pursue next and then we would love your suggestions of course but um i got um well i might as well say what my sort of initial thinking is but this is not set in stone i'm thinking uh why not cover as i said either this episode last episode a uh, filmography of a female director and uh, uh let's guess tom what director do you think i'm thinking of Catherine bigelow who else do you think is a big female director? Mate, you, you put you put me you put me on the spot that's, now. That's mate. also really? worked with Chai Yun Fat. That's worked with Chai Yun Fat, dude. Mm, you put me on the spot here now. Let me uh, think. That's also have she's gone to New York to shoot movies with Chai Yun Fat. Oh, okay. What? What? <laughs> what are we talking about? You talking about women in New York here? Yeah. An, an autumn's tale and a director three to one mabel chung uh, i think she has a place in hong kong cinema history has worked with sammo multiple for times for sure yeah worked with a lot of big boys definitely she, you can even do moon warriors because now it's documented that they did a lot of directing of that movie essentially the story scenes that, that was mabel and her partner alex so you can even include moon warriors in that because they, they they've gone on record saying that that's exactly what the point was that Samo works on the action and we're left to do the dramatic scenes like nothing scandalous about that so no i don't know yeah because she's done obviously uh painted faces with Samo. uh yeah uh, that was alex though but uh she worked on that obviously they, they always work together sometimes the alternate so painted faces is alex a tales of gold is mabel and uh, so forth so yeah i wouldn't want to do memories man for sure like like kenny b is in that not me but kenny b is in that but uh, that's uh, my sort of thinking of um, what's going to happen post the Ringo Lamb series. But uh, we still got at least one episode left. So um, this is it for now. Hope you enjoyed. We look back on full alert. And uh, I've been Kenny B. And with me was Tom KW. So say bye. See you later, guys. Thank you for listening, as always. Mm-mwah. That was a kiss. That was a kiss then. A little bit of a kiss. <laughs>